0: going to turn to the Bible and we're going to read two passages today together. Uh, one is from the very first book in the Bible uh, one is a little bit later on. Uh, so let's read from Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 27. If you've got your Bibles you might want to keep them open but don't worry the words are on the screen. Let's, let's read together. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them. God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So do keep that open as we turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it's the Lord Christ you're serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what's right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Does anyone recognise this man? Put your hands up if you recognise this man. Certain age group do. Who is he? Eric Little from the film Chariots of Fire. Great film from the 80s. If you're too young for that and you read of such things in the history books, it's well worth watching. Played by Ian Charlson. All about the Scottish athletes who chose Christ Overrunning in the heats of the 100 meters. His event that he'd trained for, his favorite event at the Olympics, because they were on a Sunday, he chose to opt out. He put Christ first. And there's this famous quote I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Sadly, Eric Little never said those words. They're the words of a scriptwriter, unfortunately, but it's still exciting to have them. And in many respects, that quote sums up this series. There's Eric Little, a man dedicated to Christ, wanting that dedication to impact every aspect of his life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the rest of the week. This series is all about the difference that Christ makes throughout our lives on a Monday morning and beyond. Whether you're an Olympic athlete or a couch potato, what difference does Jesus make on a Monday? Whatever we find ourselves doing for the majority of the week, whether it's in paid employment, whether we're a student, whether we're a housewife, whether we're a parent, whether we're a carer, whether we're retired, whatever we may do for the majority of our weeks, what difference does Christ make? What does Monday mean? And today we're kicking off the series with something foundational and something transformational. If we grasp today, this subject, our weeks will never be the same again. We're looking at work as worship. If you get this right, if we get this right, our whole lives will look different, feel different. And along with Eric Liddell, we might see that whatever we spend our time doing, when we do it, it gives God pleasure. Work is worship. And we're starting off in these opening passages of Genesis because they are foundational passages. Genesis one to three is a key kind of bit of the Bible. If you haven't read it for a while, can I encourage you to go back and read it. There are some foundational things in there that are so important for our time, all about what it means to be human, all about what it means to have dignity, all about what it means the value of humans about gender, about all sorts of important things that are crucial for today. And in it, we read some amazing words. God gives people something to do. Look at these verses from Genesis chapter two, so just after where we ended. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. And there was no one to work the ground. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God gives people a job to do. He gives them work to do. That word work is important. Why? Because later in the Bible, when we read some like psalms like this, Psalm 100 100 verse 2, we read, Worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. A brilliant kind of psalm of praise that we often sing and brilliant. Those two words, work and worship, are the same word work is worship if we grasp this it changes everything and we see that more clearly not just by kind of cleverly analysing the words but seeing what people are given to do do you see that? what are they given to do? they're given basically the job of gardening who likes gardening here? out of interest a few tentative green fingered people Already at this stage God has made the world He has declared it already very good God made a perfect world This is before we mess it up This is crucial And do you notice He then gives a job for humans To improve on it To improve if you like on perfection Perfection to tend it, to work the ground, to look after it like a gardener, cultivating it, making it flourish. God gives us all the job effectively of being gardeners. Now I don't just mean literally gardening, although if you do enjoy it, brilliant. But from this day forwards, before we mess it up, God gives humans a task to do to help his creation flourish. And that's been the job ever since that all of us are called to do, to literally be gardeners to the garden that he gives to us. So what does that look like? Well, God gives job, humans the job of procreating. We don't often think of that sort of thing as work. Or he gives us the job of nurturing and caring for the planet that we live in. That's, that's work. Helping humans flourish, that's work. That's the task that God gives us. Why? Well, because that's what God did. God created and therefore so do we. And if we grasp that idea of work, helping his world and his people flourish, it changes everything about how you see what you do tomorrow morning at 9am. If you wake up tomorrow morning at 9am Feeling the burden of yet another week God calls you to worship as you work By helping people and helping this world flourish Which of course broadens our idea of what work is It's not just paid employment, what we do when we clock in Whether you're employed or unemployed whether you've not yet started work or you're retired, all of us are workers. Why? Because we're called to help people flourish and help this world flourish. Which therefore means if you're a full-time parent, your job is every bit as important because you're making people flourish. If you're caring for someone, what an important job, you're helping that person to flourish. If you're retired, you haven't given up on the help of the job of helping people to flourish and helping this world to flourish. Everything is an act of worship. And I think for the, end, for the next kind of 10 minutes or so, we're going to focus on three ways that we can worship at work. Three ways. And the first is this, by changing our attitude to work. Do you see, firstly there, work is God-given. God gives us a job to do. God gives you a job to do. And that's so important in our culture, isn't it? Because I reckon, if you're anything like me, I've grown up in a world that's viewed work as kind of a necessary evil that you've got to do so that you can get to the weekend and have enough money to spend. Or so that you can save enough for a good holiday. Or you can work so hard that one day you can retire and put your feet up. Work's a sort of necessary evil that we have to kind of navigate around every now and again. If you find a job you love, brilliant, but, you know... Salavi. This quote from Time Magazine sums it up as a writer thought he was summarizing what the Bible says about work. He said this When God foreclosed on Eden, he condemned Adam and Eve to go to work. From the beginning the Lord's word said that work was something bad, a punishment. The great stone of mortality and toil laid upon a human spirit that might otherwise soar on the infinite weightless playfulness of grace. Isn't that brilliant? If we didn't have work to do, that's what life would be. Infinite weightless playfulness of grace. Think of that tomorrow morning when your alarm goes off. I want to suggest that is thoroughly unbiblical. (laughs) Unbiblical. In contrast, Eugene Peterson says this, the devil does some of his best work when he gets Christians to think of themselves as Christian lay people. You see, already mentioned in chapter one, we read these words. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What a crucial verse. Showing where dignity comes from where value comes from in human shows what it means to be human but do you notice God created, he's working and he created them in his image and then gave them some work to do so work is not bad work is a high calling it is God given and not only is it God given it is God like God worked, we're made in his image so we work You've seen in the last few weeks, it certainly has been in our house, children starting school for the first time. And you see them with their uniform on and looking all nice and tidy and slightly ill fitting, but you know, they're proud to be in this uniform. They're excited, ready. Why? Because it's a kind of rite of passage, isn't it? There's something dignified in what they're doing, whether they'd use those words or not, and whether they're in tears at the school gate or not. The same is true for us in work. God gives us a task and therefore there is inherent dignity in it. You are helping the world to flourish. Your attitude to work is so important. But not only is it God given because we're made in His image, it makes us realize that work is not about us. Our attitude to work is is not to meet our needs. Listen to this quote from Tim Keller. Our generation insists that work be fulfilling and fruitful, that it fully fit our talents and our dreams and that we be paid exorbitantly for it. That's what our society says and so therefore if the job is not fulfilling, well then we move on. If it doesn't pay quite enough, then we move on. If it doesn't fit what we hope, then we move on. In other words, we've turned work into being something about us. Meeting my needs And so for some of us we're defined by work And when we're not in work we feel as though we're somehow less Because we're defined by it When we're not in paid work And for others of us we do that work to further our own ends Uh, So we're always seeking a higher pay rise or, or better promotion For our own ends I was pulled up on this a number of years ago when at work, what I used to do, and I'd be interested to know if any other people do this, so it might just be me. I used to wait until my boss left and I'd stay just a little bit longer. So then when they left, they'd see that I was still at work. And then when they'd gone, I'd wait a few minutes till they got out of the car park and then I'd go. And then when I was in a job where I was then responsible for other people, I then made sure that I waited, and I waited until they were clearly wanting to go and I waited and I outstayed them, so that then I looked good In other words, work was about me, I wanted to further my progress so I wanted to stay beyond my boss, wow what a diligent worker or I wanted them to think, wow what a hard working boss, work was about me Whereas I think getting this view that work is God-given and it images God, it is an act of worship, changes that sort of thing completely. It's no longer for my ends or my needs. It's an immensely liberating truth that work is from God and is for God. Helping his world and His people in it to flourish. I think that's hugely liberating. If you work in a shop, If that helps sustain and feed humans, that's exactly what God does. If you work in the fashion industry, your work helps beautify people so that others see their beauty. That's what God does. Or in the entertainment industry, where the work you do helps inspire and educate and challenge, that's what God does, that's flourishing. Or if you work in the finance industry, where you're working to provide a better situation for people around you, better circumstances in which they can flourish, that's what God does. Or if you work in the health work industry, you're helping people to flourish, helping them to get better or to manage their lives. If you work in the building trade, that's being creative just like God, building a world for somebody, making something beautiful, that's what God does. If you're in education, you're literally helping people flourish as they learn more and more. But not just paid work. If you're a parent, what higher calling? You're helping people flourish. If you're a carer, you're helping people flourish. On and on and on and on. How different our attitude to work is when we see that this is God-given and is like God because we're made in his image so have a different attitude to work uh, but secondly it changed, uh, the way to worship a work is having a different attitude at work as well we've already touched on it and here's where we turn to our second passage Colossians chapter 3 uh, let me read to you a couple of verses uh, now as we read this just just Remember, we have in our minds, when we think of slaves, we have in our minds kind of 12 years of slave. Slavery is being a terrible thing. But in the ancient world, when this was written, slavery was not always that barbaric. Because for some people, in a situation where there was no welfare state slaves were looked after by the family they were kind of serving and their families were looked after as well as it were, if you had a benevolent slave master it was a brilliant place to be and so hear this, when we hear the word slave it may not always have been bad it may for many have been good of course there are always terrible situations as well but listen now to the difference we have it makes to slaves and to masters if we view it as something that is worship. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Masters, provide your slaves with what's right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Whoever you are, whether you're in paid employment or not You have a boss who is Jesus And this key verse changes everything Whatever you do therefore, work at it with all your heart As working for the Lord, not for human masters So if your boss is like this He's not your real boss If you've got a horrid boss, they're not your real boss, Jesus is. If you've got a boss that's not developing you, they're not your real boss, Jesus is. Or even if you've got a boss that treats you very, very well, they're not your real boss, Jesus is. And Jesus always acts with fairness, kindness and grace. So if you've got a boss who doesn't see you fiddling your tax expenses or your expenses at work, they're not your real boss. Jesus is. (laughs) Or if you've got a boss who is really brutal, they're not your real boss. If you've got a job, whether it's paid or not, that is soul-destroying, remember that you have a boss who sees that and knows that, and cares with an eternal care. That changes everything. I don't know if you know who this guy is. This guy is Brother Lawrence. In the 1600s, Brother Lawrence was a monk who wrote a famous book, The Practice of the Presence of God. And he tells the story about how he moved to a monastery, and he moved to the monastery to learn what he refers to as the kind of higher things teaching the Bible and the serious important stuff and he got put in the kitchen and he didn't like it there after all he wanted to get on with what he thought was the important jobs and then he was made to stay in the kitchen for a long time and it was in that hard work of the kitchen that he realised that God was there with him there and he learned to quote, pick up a straw for the glory of God. Why? Because work is about helping this world and helping people flourish. Work is what God gives us to do. And so even in a very difficult job we really can't stand that's painful or in a situation that's not paid work that we really struggle with or we'd even long to be in a job and we can't, we still have work to do that is worship. That changes everything to how we view it. But as we come to the third thing, I would guess that in this room right now for some of us, our work that we do is immensely difficult I saw as I was kind of studying for this talk a blog comment in a post about work you may not be able to read it let me read it to you my work is inherently boring so much so I feel my soul crushed weighed down under the monotony of it all I doubt you can help me see things differently but I look forward to reading I would guess that if we're honest some of us in the room would agree wholeheartedly with those words And the third thing therefore for those of us in jobs that we just find very difficult or in circumstances where the work is not paid work but it is hard one final way to worship at work is to change our attitude to difficult work you see it's all great to think of you know, the world being brilliant and paradise and look they were given this amazing task of being gardeners and you can hear the birds tweeting away and it's all lovely isn't it it's all amazing and you may well say Tim don't you know what happened at the end of the story they messed it up and that's the world we live in Tim and you'd be right Because in Genesis 3, we come to these words, after Adam and Eve, the first humans, kind of turn their back on God, there's this horrible punishment where they're cast out of this paradise and we read these words, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thistles for you and you'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until you return to the ground. At the fall, work becomes painful. Do you see that? Hard, horrible. And not only is it painful, it's futile. Do you see? It's thorns and thistles now. But not only that, it's essential. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. We have to work to live. So it's horrible, it's futile and it's essential now. Now that might connect with your Monday morning. Do I have to? Yes. It's horrible, I know. And I don't seem to get anywhere, yes. So how do we cope with difficult work? Well, as I come to a close, I think there's two aspects to this that are important to remember. Firstly, it might sound odd, but to realise that we live in this world where it is difficult and hard I think is helpful because it makes us realise that even a change in your circumstances won't make hard work disappear it may or may not be wise for you to change your job I can't comment on that but I can say in the war job you are in you can be worshipping But even you ask anyone here who's retired, I would guess many of them would say the hard work doesn't go away. Yes, I can have a few more lions. Yes, maybe the odd more holiday along the way. But actually toil is still painful, still futile. I still have to do stuff. It's still hard. Life doesn't suddenly become utopia when you stop paid work. Or you ask the parent who's been looking after their kids and longing for the day when they're out of nappies or a bit more kind of established. You ask any parent and they will tell you the job of being a parent doesn't get easier. It just changes. Works always hard. And I think to kind of own that slightly changes how we see our current situation. It is where we live now. And yet, and yet there is a second aspect to this. I think realising what Christ has done helps give us a vision for the future that changes everything to how we view our work now. You see, work was before the fall and it will outlast the fall. What you do today, your approach to it, has the possibility of enduring forever. Because as Christ finished his work and cried out, it is finished. He made a way for us to be with him for all eternity. And it's only when we grasp that it changes how we see our work now. Because the possibility of helping this world to flourish the possibility of helping the people around us to flourish, we realise this is not a temporary thing. This will have an impact for all eternity. As the saying from Gladiator goes, what echoes in life echoes in eternity. And that, I think, gives us hope. So as I close, I'm going to read some words from the book of Isaiah. I'm going to invite us to close our eyes. And in these words, they're a glimpse of the future and they're a glimpse of how we will view work. And maybe, just maybe, that will change how we see work now. So let me read this to you. Would you close your eyes if you find that helpful? And this is particularly helpful, I think, for people who are battling at the moment or for people for whom work has been about them. Isaiah 65, see, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labour in vain for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Friends, we go this week to worship knowing that For all eternity we are called to do the same. Would you stand? Please stand if you're able. I guess that for some of us, uh, as we respond, the band are going to lead us as we sing. I would guess that for some of us, uh, the way we need to respond is, if we're honest, work has been all about us. And this morning we've got a glimpse that actually is never about us. For others of us, it may be that we are finding our work, whether paid or not, immensely difficult at the moment. And this morning you've had your head lifted up, your chin lifted up to see that you have a high calling that your job is a job of great dignity because you're in the business of helping people and helping this world to flourish and I guess for others of us maybe one or two that this morning have had a sense of meaning attached to their work that they long to carry on this week and far beyond and you simply want to pray Lord would you would you bed that in? Would, would that resonate longer? So what I'd love us to do, and maybe if one or two people are happy to pray, join the prayer team, to head over to the prayer area. And then as we, as we sing, as Abby leads us in the band, um, I'd love you to head over there. I'll go over there as well. And, uh, and if you'd love somebody to simply pray with you, that you'd see your workers worship, to come over there as we respond. As we sing and, and, and someone would we'll gladly pray with you. So Father, we thank you. Thank you that you call us call us to make a difference, knowing that we're made in your image, and we image you when we serve you. So Lord, would we see that dignity? And would you help us to worship we pray this week? And all God's people said Amen.